It's like that drill tweet of I've never laughed at a piss joke in my life. <laughs> Sees how much everyone, how much good feedback everyone is giving me, and takes it one step further. In fact, I've never laughed at all. I refuse to participate in a podcast where you just repeat <laughs> drill tweets of a bit from I memory. Thought gonna, I thought that was going to be shorter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you thought a drill tweet was going to be shorter than about two sentences. Yes. Riley is one of the most respected scholars of the internet because he actually knows all of Drill's tweets. It's, it's like how when you go for a bar mitzvah, you have to memorize a Torah portion. It's not like that in any really conceivable not. way. It's a lot like that because I memorize a lot. Also, that hasn't been a good Drill tweet for like 18 months. Yeah. You, you Ooh, keep like reassuring me that take. you actually have a job, but it's like... Name one. <laughs> I have a job. She's in Canada. You probably, <laughs> you probably don't know her. My job what goes do you to do all day? She goes yeah. to a different school. Uh, I'm not at liberty to talk about that. There are actually good drill tweets every day. They're just not necessarily done by drill. They're just done by actual <laughs> politicians. I, I am drill. I've been drill this entire time. Let's try that again. <laughs> Welcome to Crash Future, the podcast about how if we do not implement fully automated luxury gay space communism, the future will be trash. Boom, perfect. With us this week it. is Luke. Hi. Hi, Luke. Tell us about who you are. What's your name and where'd you come from? <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done. I'm, I'm Luke. I am a reporter, I guess. Uh, follow me on Twitter. I'm bad at life. Um, is that a handle or is that just a confession? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's still the best handle we've had on the show. Eleanor, who I have literally just met, is is also here. Hi, Eleanor. Hello. Tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm also in the room. Um, hello. Uh, I'm Eleanor Penny. Um, I am a writer of sorts. I do things with words on Navarra Media and Red Pepper and other places, mostly on the internet. You can find me on Twitter at Eleanor K. Penny. And someone just pointed out to me that the middle phoneme, if you read it wrong, is Nork. So that's nice. something that I have to live with forever. Nork. <laughs> Nork. <laughs> and with us is is Riley, because I'm Riley now. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Riley. Riley what do you for, do for a living? <laughs> Nothing. No, no, Riley, what do you do for a living? <laughs> he has a job. It's just, she lives in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I am I am Riley. I was until all all recent episodes the host of this here mess. <laughs> but um, there's been a coup. There's, 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 there's been a, there's been a classic. Not anymore. You're not. Uh, thing. Right, where, Riley's been sandinistered. <laughs> <laughs> always the problem is what happens after the revolution. We've got a lot of bloody clear up to do. <laughs> so I, the CIA I've been, are now funding a group of contras via Iran to bring down Suze's reign of terror. Yeah. <laughs> So that's me. I'm that one. Um, and Tell us about your impronounceable Twitter handle. Uh, it's it's at Rale, R-A-A-L-E-H. It's because I don't want my name to be easily Googleable. Googleable, Googleable. But like, <laughs> don't injure yourself. But like the last, yeah, it's because Riley is really rogue and he wants his Twitter handle to be deaf accessible. <laughs> the last time I um Cut I published that. an article in Jacobin, they were like. We're just going to do your name. And I was like, I am so easily Googleable now. So in case anybody didn't catch that, Riley writes for Jacobin now and he'd like you to know about it. He <laughs> wrote once. I wrote once for Jacobin, but I'm about to, I mean, unless something goes certainly wrong, you're about to see more of my writing in various other outlets. 
I'll have you know. Such anyway, nuts, there's only four four two. I should point out at this stage that and Maxim Riley pitched me an article to Navara. I ignored it. He pitched to another editor at Navara, who let that shit slip right through. <laughs> Damn straight. <laughs> My writing is like a cockroach. It will live. <laughs> And I'm I'm Suze, and I'm extremely overtired. Um, I am not any kind of writer, and you can find me online at Suze Marsupial. Any any Milo's in the bowl? Yeah, there is. Thanks. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's me. It's me, Milo Edwards, uh, y- your boy. You can find me on Twitter at Milo underscore Edwards, where uh, I tweet lots of bad stuff about how, like, that picture of the South Korean president holding Kim Jong-un's hand as he stepped over the border really just looked like me helping my nan to the car with her shopping. Um, you know, five likes. I thought it was worth more than that, but, yeah, you know, I'm going to go it like is. it now. Yeah. You're right. That is bad. Um, I'm now followed by Owen Jones. So, you know, suck on that. I lost two followers over a tweet about ISIS today, but I gained Owen Jones. And I really like to think it's because of the ISIS-related banter on my feed. What a normal sentence for a normal period in history. <laughs> Such a regular guy, Milo. Yeah. Okay. Um, anyway, also, having so wrenched that... hosting duties from Riley, I now gonna... have no idea how the interview is going to start. So in my infinite <laughs> munificence, I'm going to hand back to Riley to ask Luke some questions. <laughs> um, you just weren't ready. Sorry, I just, I went on Milo's Twitter to give him a pity like on the, for that that picture and um he and the first tweet is a um it's another moan about losing two followers from an hour ago <laughs> which means that he's been fuming for at least an hour i'm, I'm incredibly mad offline sorry so milo's two followers come mad back offline. please <laughs> milo's two followers please come back we missed you. I lost both my followers who were Riley and Hussein. We're basically going to be talking about a bunch of shit today. The first of which is that there has been a little bit of, I would say, news recently about a media marketing agency that is different from most of the other media marketing agencies called Social Chain. Yes, because they I, don't pay their staff in beanie hats. <laughs> well, they, well, they, they don't need to. They live in Manchester, so money means a lot more up there. So. <laughs> um, no, I, so I might, I'll give you a like, slight background on Social Chain. So I, I wrote about them a few years ago, and I've kind of been following it ever since. Uh, they're a very they're a very strange company in that a lot of their myth-making about themselves, which are, they are very good at, is actually kind of true, in that basically a bunch of 20, 21-year-olds dropped out of university and started a media company, but they did it by essentially saying, well, we all have big Twitter pages and Facebook pages. We should just combine them together. And then they built on that. So I believe they now employ about 150 people in Manchester, which is not a small company. Like, there are are major media companies. There are major media companies in London, like, that you would know, know and would actually know the name of that are significantly bigger. And what they've been doing in the last few years is kind of building out um, what they do. Primarily, the focus is figuring out a way to make stuff work for brands, like actually do advertising for them. But they've also now moved into kind of a content sphere uh, in that they have websites. They have multiple websites. Uh, they've linked up with another sort of company, um, uh, the guys who run a really popular account called um, Sporf, or it used to be BBC Sporf. It's not Sporf for... Copyright reasons. Sorry, what is this word that you're saying? Sporf. Sporf. Yeah, it looks like sport. Like sport. sport. Yeah, exactly. It looks like sport when you see it in a Twitter avatar. Oh no, I get it. But yeah. like, what is it? 
it's uh, basically a, they make jokes about football. That's uh, that's the entire thing. But as a result, what they've done yeah. is they've they've built all these pages. They have genuinely hundreds of millions of followers. But it's not hundreds of million followers on a single page or a single couple of pages. It's across so many pages that it effectively operates like a network that you can't really tell is there. And is it clear that these like parody accounts have been spawned from this company or if is it look, unclear? If you look into it, it's clear. Sure, but as a first pass content consumer. Uh, not really, but how often do you really check where your content's coming from? If right, you're a normal busy person. Right, this is the point, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Is, is, is that if you don't check, then how does it appear? It appears like they are pretty much organic, funny pages. So these are the yeah. people who are responsible for stuff like very British problems, or you know so you're a not, Hogwarts so, so, when. So they're or not very British problems. That's a right. that's separate account. Cut that, Nate. <laughs> <laughs> don't cut that. I'm proud of that's Tim Farron's alt. I'm yeah. being. I, I'm. Don't don't cut that. Keep that in. I'm proud very of my wrongness. Problems. Oh no! But like telling Nate to cut things that he shouldn't has now obviously <laughs> become incredibly funny to me, and it's just going to become part of the content of the podcast. Um, there is no Nate. You know, there are so many tweets to which I reply, delete this. I don't want them deleted. It's just a feeling in my heart. <laughs> um, yeah, yes. Regardless. Um. So is this like a kind of buying up startups model? Someone actually starts like a a, a funny um you know, parody account and it takes off and then this company like buys it up or are they seeding these me, as bitch. authentic looking parody accounts but they've actually come from the mothership? So they're broadly authentic but the way that they work is they they own some accounts. Some accounts they've made up by actual genuine paid staffers. Some accounts they've bought off people. Some accounts they've uh, hired people who previously run these accounts but they've set up a slightly different like model of how it's actually owned. Mm-hmm. Um, and some are just like they have a link with them and they're actually owned by someone entirely separately. But every now and again, they retweet their stuff or retweet their okay. stuff and share their stuff. Um, so, yeah, how it kind of yeah, basically ends up how it works is that uh, you can say they they take on a client like uh, delivery was one that's worked with them quite a lot. Uh, delivery say we want to go viral online at this time. We want to go viral online at seven o'clock on a Friday. Uh, and then all of their accounts tweet at the same time. They retweet each other. It starts going viral. It starts trending. And then suddenly, Deliver is the number three trending topic in the UK. Uh, and everyone thinking about like, what I want for dinner tonight. It looks on Twitter. is like, oh, maybe I want delivery. It's kind of quite an effective thing. Um, which Deliveroo is, what... is my favorite cuisine. <laughs> How does delivery like, deliberately go viral at 7 p.m.? <laughs> like, well, this is how. This, my like, the guys from Coney 2012, just like, they're just like, okay, send your CEO out into the street to have a wank. And we will film it. It's like some some people who thought like you it know, only works a couple of times, so three tops. <laughs> they thought yeah. Co- they thought Coney twenty twelve was the like a twenty four hour clock thing. So we have this 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 media agency that basically just does a lot of like dumb normie pages, and th- what what is what is significant about them recently in the news? So the things that happened recently is they've started figuring out that they need to kind of expand beyond just being able to do uh, straight uh, Twitter trends or whatever. And I should say at this point, by the way, they are, it's a very young group of people. The CEO is 25, maybe 26. Everyone Into the sun. <laughs> Revolting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I also think that like all, all media companies should be run by people under 30. Like it's insane. You should have media companies that are not run by old people. So the fact that they've then started effectively a media company accidentally Almost is <laughs> record crashing. Cool. All media companies should be run by people under thirty. Oh, you have one old person in the corner to, who's a lawyer, 
and then the rest of it is under there. It's like, <laughs> that is a hell world. Yeah. A hell world. You think, you think a lawyer bricked in into the wall yeah, exactly. <laughs> 300 years ago the, and his not, ghost. Not more of this, less of this. Here's the thing, like, we end up, you, you go have down. a media company that's run by like an eighth of Rupert Murdoch. <laughs> well, I think you say have a media company run by an eight-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing like you go down you go down from the, you're down from the thing top. that definitely exists mm-hmm. if you go down from the top of like all the all the largest media companies in terms of like social following you have like the bbc and the guardian but then you also have unilad lad bible social chain and all of these people who are running huge media companies that you don't even really realize are running media companies and you think this is good I'm not saying it's good. I'm just saying that. I distinctly the, heard you say all no, media I'm companies should be run by people under I'm 30. S- I'd say that what mainstream media companies have done, like particularly BBC, particularly Guardian, particularly mm-hmm. all these other ones have done well online by effectively ignoring and not developing other outlets that might appeal to people. They have ceded an entire area of the internet to very young people without any, uh, any supervision, without yes. any... Thing. When I think it's, that, it's like Lord of the Flies. Yeah, pretty much. And there's a lot of... <laughs> There's a large Rupert part of the Murdoch internet. is like the naval officer who shows up at the end. Ru- Rupert Murdoch is like the dead pig on a stick. If, I, if only Rupert Murdoch were a dead pig on a stick. <laughs> if Rupert Murdoch's head were decaying on a pole, I would consider that a societal advancement. <laughs> but then, but then that's what you end up. Rome, you put, put it on a t-shirt. You, he is replaced. He is replaced by the head of the social chain. So. Uh. The head of the social chain makes it sound like he's at the front of a sort of like millennial human centipede. I mean, he kind of is. <laughs> I, was yeah. going, I was going for a conga line, because but that's the difference the, between you my, and I. My, my, yeah. my um, what I, from what I understand of social chain is it's basically just, it, it's, you know what it is? It's, I don't know, like, if anyone's familiar with the concept of primitive accumulation in Marxism, it's like. <laughs> Sorry, just the pause before you say Marxism. Well, like, I'm gonna do it. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna do it. You I'm gonna say have, the Marxist You might have thing. heard of Marxism. Marxism. In the jar. <laughs> I have never read a book in my life. So can you just do us like a <laughs> can I do a quick pitch on this? It's like a historical process of like enclosure and capture that happens in like the 1600s. It's like yeah, like it's a it's a concept that we can like transpose from that in order to apply to other stuff like. The capture of the telephone network or like what Elon Musk is doing with, say, experimenting with different ways of like pushing out driverless cars. Like he, he wants to own future infrastructure. Right. But like primitive accumulation as a concept is not just a concept. It's also like primarily the thing that happened when people decided to close off the land that was previously common and decide to call that capital. But right? I'd say that's a lot of what social chain is doing, which is they are basically looking disenfranchising at... Disenfranchising medieval peasants. Yes, <laughs> social chain disenfranchising. The land simply experienced class mobility. Is, they, is that they, much, much like the sort of... You're talking about a market share as a material, like, gain, right? No, I'm talking about... I'm, I'm saying they have, they have taken... They have taken... Just, they have, well, they've, they're just sort of shutting off sort of large accounts with large followers. And they're ta- they're, it's a very late capitalist form of primitive accumulation where they are just pulling all of this stuff that was just sort of there and they're sort of just monetizing and privatizing it. Okay, but here's the thing though, because as the way these accounts work and how all accounts online work is that more people get more followers over time, like everyone is essentially accumulating constantly. What's actually happening is even once they've accumulated, it's then immediately like declining in value which makes it very, very strange because what they're doing is like as things get successful and they're also like they're working in a uh, an ecosystem that involves Facebook occasionally going like, we're going to stop everyone coming to you. We're just going to turn the turn the dial and now you 
your thing is now 40% less valuable, which means that they're accumulating things that is essentially, I mean, I don't know if this is a thing. It's but, not like grain and shit, is it? Right, you know, no. it's a lot more unstable. It's, and like, it's, yeah. all, it's all fiat capital. Or it is, or it is like grain, but Mark Zuckerberg is like the emperor Caligula, and he suddenly commandeers the entire grain fleet to build a bridge across the Bay of Naples so he can ride his horse across it, and then suddenly your grain can't be sold to the people because it's you know stuck in like Bithynia or whatever. <laughs> exactly yeah, like that. Exactly like that. By <laughs> uncanny, <laughs> uncanny. But <laughs> so people say, what do you use your classics degree for? Uh, hello, guys. <laughs> so hello. Hello? Is anyone there? Ladies, hello. <laughs> I scream so, I scream into a conch. One thing we one thing we have not flies, one thing yeah. we've not sort of properly touched on is we understand what sort of social chain is and how it works. Why is it significant currently? So it's significant currently because Why are you here today? <laughs> <laughs> Please get out of my anywhere house. else to go. <laughs> Yeah. Where will I go? What will I do? Um, yeah, so it's raining outside. We don't want to ask him to leave. It's significant yeah, currently because the 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 tab um, covered it them the other week. Where basically what they're doing is for one of their now media platforms with more followers than most of the British media, um, they are making essentially fake videos. But you have to accept fake as a given value of fake. Mm, this is this is super interesting to me. Mm. Right. So what they did is that they made a video set to uh, uh, Drake's God's Plan, uh, where they went around Manchester and gave people uh, McDonald's, which is, sure, that's a good thing to do. Everyone likes McDonald's. <laughs> McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> the Trash Future podcast. Is, you, you guys were asking me what my job is earlier. Oh, I, got like, oh, I got like 500 quid to just mention McDonald's on the podcast. I wasn't going to share cool. with you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so they go they go around Manchester giving McDonald's to people uh, to the like, tune in as a parody of, of God, uh, Drake's God's Plan. Um, Who's accepting random food from twenty-two-year-olds in the, the, like the middle oh, of Manchester? So that, is, that, is the, <laughs> that is the question. Who would accept uh, random food? It turns out the other people accepting food are other employees of Social Chain. Ooh, ooh, yeah. shut the front so, door. What is- so yeah, so you've got these people accepting the food, and they're also employees. So it's staged. So it seems like it's partially staged in that they found some people, and they were the McDonald's true. is real. The McDonald's is real. <laughs> no, it was Burger King. Nothing oh, yeah. <laughs> is more real than McDonald's. McDonald's. <laughs> so yeah, what they do is they go out and they film this video, and they're talking to some people who are absolutely one hundred percent like. Public people want people who are social chain, people who are maybe just friends of theirs, but it's certainly a little bit fake. And then they put it out on their own channel with the kind of the gist of this is a found footage thing. It's this guy did an amazing parody of uh, God's oh, plan. Wait, so it's not just that they were claiming that the people handing out the food were their employees, but the people to whom the food was being handed were just members of the public. The whole yeah. thing was packaged as though... But they basically, they packaged it as a parody. So it's like, oh, it's a parody. So we've made a video. So the idea of like, if you make a parody of a video, should everyone in it be organic? Like, well, kind of no, because like not everyone in a music video, like the other people in Drake's God's Plan video weren't organic people. So you can make a video of it and say like, well, they're technically employees, but like we were doing it for a parody purpose. But then they presented it as they put it on their YouTube channel and their site as it is uh, a random bit of found footage that we have. I just love the idea of the social chain getting found out that this video was all staged because some guy's like, wait, I recognize the guy handing out the McDonald's from the video. Nine things only guys who are dating an Essex girl will understand cry emoji. <laughs> so this is this what social- comes right off. 
So what's really interesting about it is they don't make much original video. This was maybe their sixth or seventh video, and he hadn't been in anything before. But what the tab were kind of concerned about is that the video was made for a website called Student Problems, which for the tab, which is a student-focused website. I was going to say, we should say for our international listeners of who there are many. Hi, guys. So the tab, <laughs> yeah, um, tab is... are interested in the fact that their market, which is students that also looks at student problems, is, yeah, they, is, is consuming this content. Someone else has appeared in a similar market and they're looking at their content and saying like, hey, you guys are kind of faking things. Um, but their question is, is like, how much of that is fake? Like, right. Particularly because like a lot of the content producers are themselves students engaged in this kind of like I, so like I, quasi authentic self promotion freelancers sort of students, but they definitely aren't full time people who are students, and their full time people are just people who are recently students. Um, yeah. But it's but, also r- very right. But like the, um, my point being that like part of this like generation of like faux coincidence is yeah. also part of student culture. So there is something mm. authentic in. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That, be, being able to reproduce that, right? Like, the, it's not not part of student life. It's there, just the authenticity are, comes from a different place. There are students like who are just faking videos for a joke on their own personal twitters. Like, yeah, which and it's like so old. Which is like, well, why is that? So why is that? Is that different? Is yourself, that worse? I'm is that better? Like, I am old. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I yeah. actually used to write for the tab when I was a student and I got fired from them for taking the piss out of them. So I can confirm that everyone who works there or most of the people have a brain that's made of wallpaper paste. Well, also the tab, again, if you're listening internationally, is the same company as Babe.net, who obviously are bad in different but complicated yeah. ways. I'd like to cycle back to the differences between lies and fiction in content especially online which i think is a super interesting distinction that's that very, i feel is what you're bane. like kind of you consider the here. differences between lies and fiction oh. my friend. i mean it, it weirdly, it <laughs> Shut weirdly up, is a scale um so there is a thing of like i've worked on a lot of new sites and like well two new sites but i've worked with them for a while um <laughs> but like a thing what we think about with for example thumbnails is that it is better to have a kind of organically shot photo, like a, a random person in the street shoot a photo of a thing, than it is to have a, a nice Associated Press Getty photo that looks beautiful. Because like people look at that and one of them is they see it as real and being like, oh, this is a good version of the story. Whereas you see a stock photo, a, a news agency photo, you're like, oh, I, this is just normal news. This I don't, is news. This is like a, a discreet category exactly, of news. Exactly. Yeah. You see a woman smiling at a salad and you're like, no, this is just regular news. <laughs> so I, I, have to, I have to sound the Riley does postmodernism alarm. Um. Oh, good. Let me go stick my head <laughs> in. Riley hasn't Nate. had any attention for like three minutes. <laughs> He's just putting his hand up. No, it's that w- th- this, this point is one that's like, I think, super interesting in a lot of like postmodernist discourse, which is you talk about this idea between, well, what's the difference between a thing and a completely perfect simulation of that thing. What's the difference between a bunch of people going out and, you know, distributing McDonald's to people? Um, and the difference between what's the difference between that and a bunch of people going out and distributing McDonald's to people, but being filmed, you know, Wait, I, mean, I didn't realize we had Elon Musk on the podcast. I didn't realize we had Lacan on the podcast. <laughs> That's a Baudrillard argument. <laughs> Oh, how dare you, Eleanor? Oh, <laughs> you have to sit outside I'll in the rain. What's up, and shall I? Jesus fucking Christ! Um, no, but no, but, but that's really interesting because. Um, oh, is there egg on your face? 
<laughs> Fuck, there was a reason that was interesting. Why is going to shit it on my shoe? Um, no, it's interesting to me because the way that we interact with lies is that we interact with lies as though they were truth and act accordingly. But the way we interact with fiction is as though it is fiction. It is at a remove. It is perhaps a le- level of irony and a uh, level of myth. Um, lies are, you know, just straightforwardly something that they are not, but they want you to interact with them as though they aren't. But fiction is something much, much, much more complex. And these videos, I'm not saying this is a moral judgment that it's better or it's worse, but they seem a lot more like fiction than they seem like lies. But then you come at another issue, which is that many people don't think of the internet as true. Right, exactly. A lot of people respond to the internet as like, well, I saw it on the internet, it's probably true, but you know, like- I believe the internet is a lie. Yeah, they, well, no, they believe the internet as being a roughly 70% true. So sometimes they'll say things, see things, respond to things and be like, well, this is broadly true, but maybe not. So mm. I don't actually that bother. The, the thing that, or like the, the concept that occurs to me as sort of most useful for encapsulating that is not necessarily fiction, although I think that is like a really interesting way of getting at the heart of like, oh, it's just trying to like strike back against all this sort of like weird like 60 year olds being scared of the internet thing Ooh, of like fake news, fake news yeah. of, of like this is just like a, what humans have been doing f- since the beginning of human c- civilization is like producing culture in a mimetic way with a really uncertain relationship to truth right but like that's I, what the what's the sort of useful concept for me is not fiction but bullshit which someone has actually that's ha- a better concept has actually like gotten around to philosophically theorizing and like the point of bullshit in philosophical sense is not um it's a kind of mirror image of fiction like like it is powerful but like it's powerful like its power resists uh people calling it out as false right Mm. it's uh hashtag the resistance (laughs) (laughs) bullshit is the resistance right this is what this is what it leads to isn't it yeah what matters is not the fact that it's true or or false, but that it can telegraph a particular emotion that can then be used to attach to facts and, which and are then you, decided as true yeah, or false. And when you have something like Facebook, which is where all, most of this stuff goes, it is a, 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 a platform built on emotion. So the actual idea it can telegraph an emotion effectively, even if it is bullshit, means that it spreads effectively. So it kind of builds a thing that is based on everything is bullshit to a lesser or greater degree. But that's I, kind of, I think, something, something I've, I've really want to and have been wanting to for a while a, a point draw, drawing out of social media marketing in general is that sort of the reason people sort of click and share and that it's effective is nothing to do ever with the product itself it's always to do with the fact that people identify with the messaging around the product but right? that's always like, been the case for advertising yeah, though but, that's but, not necessarily but, new that's if you the look, only reason i buy viagra but if you if you look at the that's if the you, reason i buy mcdonald's if you McDonald's. look at if you <laughs> look if you look at the if you look at the advertising really if, when i have a mcdonald's my cock stays hard for four hours <laughs> if you have mcdonald's, McDonald's. your penis stays hard for more than four hours nice now that's what i call <laughs> a happy <laughs> meal <laughs> Consult, consult your sexy doctor. <laughs> no, nice. what I was saying is, um, what I was saying is that it's nice. I'm not saying that I'm not saying all advertising is new, but if you look at a history of advertising over the last, I don't know, several decades, you'll see that advertising has gotten to be less to do with the specifics of a particular product. It has this size engine. It goes this fast. It has this safety rating. Like social media advertising, what makes it sort of most unique is that the product is the most sort of marginal irrelevant thing 
when you're when you're advertising in social media. It's it's all the associations. It's all what you feel like you can become if you consume the product, right? See, I don't 100% agree with that because I think that the way it works is that there are two layers to this in that they are trying to get you to buy a thing, but they're also trying to get you to essentially advertise for them. And those two, right. those two instincts yes. are very, very different things. Yes. Like they're, part of it is like, if you get a bunch of cool people to advertise a thing, then people buy it. You actually don't need the cool, cool people to buy it. Yeah, I think, you know, what you're saying, Riley, isn't necessarily, like, incorrect. It's that very, like, Adam Curtis, Mushroom Cloud, stock footage, yeah. Margaret Thatcher sort of point. And it's not necessarily wrong, but it's um, it's as true. I as love things- Adam Curtis. You know this about me. <laughs> I know. It's adorable. Um, but it's as, cute, so it's as true of, like, 30 years ago as it is, oh, as it is okay. now. Um, but um, one of the, I don't necessarily disagree with you on any particular point, Eleanor, about bullshit. The reason that I choose fiction rather than bullshit is that I think that the relationship between things that are you know just kind of marketing and maybe we'd call them you know cynical in that regard or whatever and authenticity that actually has meaning and that we create for ourselves especially online where like online is this huge place but we exist in such small spaces on it and it's all stacked up together you know Mm. there are all sorts of fictions online that are positive and that we need and that we make for ourselves because they have meaning and I think a big part of how we begin to like you say you know almost advertised to each other, right? How it becomes self-replicating is that, you know, it is meaningful to me in all sorts of ways uh, when, I don't know, I buy something new and I put a picture on Instagram and I'm sharing that for like all sorts of reasons that are personal to me. And it is also unavoidably functionally marketing, which is why I think it's interesting. Everybody talks about 1984 all the time online to to, to the point Mostly of, liberals. To the point of <laughs> tedium and, you know, talk about, oh, fake news and, you know, newspeak and fake news. No one talks about the book Pattern Recognition, which <laughs> I've been banging on to these guys about for like a while now. Th- but when we talked about this on DMs, I just thought you meant lowercase p, lowercase r, pattern recognition. <laughs> the concept. The phenomenon. <laughs> um, I didn't think you meant the literary phenomenon. <laughs> But the main the main thing is that in this podcast we don't believe in a strict dichotomy between bullshit and fiction, which is the space in which Steven Seagal's Wikipedia page exists. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> which brings me neatly back to the the book I was going to talk about. No, but um, <laughs> which, uh, which brings Seagal's me neatly back to the Pattern Recognition is a 2010, I want to say, novel by William Gibson that is basically about um, it's about marketing online and it's about virality just before virality really existed, which is cool because it's kind of prescient, but I don't think that that is its only value. Um, What it talks about, which I think makes it a really useful lens for thinking about online now, is that it didn't take the line that I think a lot of liberal discourse takes, which is like, oh, people are stupid and you tell them a lie and they'll share it because they want to believe it and they're not rational enough and they're emotional and they'll share lies and it's fake news. It talks about virality as something that is organic and something that is self-replicating and something where the lines between what is made for us to share and what we make to share ourselves are incredibly blurred. It talks about advertising as something that has to be started by someone, but can then essentially live forever, recreated mimetically and changed and evolving through everybody that encounters it. And I think that's way, way, way more useful as a lens on social chain and this kind of stuff than, than you know, as we were talking about, like, oh yeah, this is, is this a lie or, or is it the truth? Because that is kind of trivial to what's yeah, happening. I think you're absolutely right. And also I think that people, when they, for example, share something, don't necessarily share it as a one or a zero, this is true or false. Like how often 100%. do you see people share things that are like, 
It's probably bullshit, but it's quite funny. Or this is probably not quite there, but it's still good or, or something. it's part of a story and the idea that uh, telling stories is bad and cold, hard, logical, reasonable, rational facts are good is, you know, it's... Yeah, it's, it, it comes down to the whole, like, mythos, logos, like, differentiation between, like, right. different ways of understanding if the truth, I knew what right? what that meant, I am sure I would agree <laughs> with you. <laughs> so, like, it's like, oh, God, I'm, like, I'm, I'm gunning for Riley's crown as, like, resident wanker. <laughs> you will, you come at the king, you best not miss this. Well, in his apartment, no, you're not going to take his crown for wanking off in his own apartment. <laughs> Welcome to oh, the bus okay. closet, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> Universe, one of the universities in Utah has impl- um, installed a cry closet. I'm suggesting the better thing would have been to have installed a bust closet, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Anyway, back to people but, smarter so than me. But, like, but then what you just said is part of this problem because that was an art installation intended to go viral online. Exactly. It's, oh, it's, it's a cry closet, but actually it's an art installation based on parodying the concept of people yeah, thinking okay, what, exactly what I wanted to yeah, know. Which point? <laughs> what of this is true? What part of this is true? But, but I, I'm not sure that like the that when we're talking about like the fact that this is fiction, the fact that like questioning the relationship of this to truth, we're kind of forgetting the fact that like or like forgetting to question like the why people make this go viral. Like this is actually we like really neglected as like a moment of cult group production in which like literally millions of people participate. And I think it's really interesting that people who are like stuck in their like maybe boring jobs, like procrastinating on Twitter, use these kinds of interactions to as a kind of to unleash the kind of creativity that they probably don't get to exercise in their daily lives. And like there's there is something irreducible about the fact that like, okay, if you have like Christ hashtag like like Hashtag very British problems or like hashtag things that are more likely to happen than Brazil winning the World Cup. Like people being genuinely like funny and innovative on that shit, like like shockingly. And like that, using that sort of creativity as a motor for your marketing strategy kind of sounds a little bit dystopian, but also we shouldn't neglect the fact that it is being really innovative with which friends I'm deciding to tag in the gif of a woman drinking from a glass of wine that's the size of a barrel (laughs) (laughs) saying that Friday feeling there's um that barrel feeling there's obviously loads and loads of incredibly like toxic things about about the phrase Uh, virtue signaling um one which is not the only one but one that I say the phrase that Friday feeling and I was about to agree with you particularly unhelpful is that it's like um it it the the existence of that phrase and what it means now means that we seldom talk about how um every single element of human communication whether online or off has a pragmatic element it can't help but have it like everything is signaling beyond the content of its message that is not something that we choose to do and that if we want to be rational actors we can like switch off like there is there is always a, a pragmatics on top of the semantics in in any communication and yeah you share something or you like something or whatever that is a communicative act in itself uh, both to other people but to yourself as well about who you are and a lot of that Mm. isn't conscious but it's incredibly it's incredibly real and I think if we discount that both as an engine for for virality and like yeah the kind of self-perpetuating evolution of things like that art installation that then loads of people share then we really miss a trick in understanding it and that's why i go to mcdonald's i think (laughs) (laughs) story that shit but surely i'm starting to really want mcdonald's (laughs) but surely i think i think one of the things 
<laughs> one of the things you can't possibly one of the things you can't possibly miss when talking about this, right, is that all of this is true. But it's, I think it's important to never... <laughs> it's true, that I can't sounds, miss it. All that of this is true. very defensive. <laughs> is that, well, He's all, rocking back and forwards. Well, all of the... No, I'm just, like, slightly drunk. Yeah. <laughs> well, all of this may be true. I think, like, the fact that a lot of it exists to sell widgets is still relatively sinister. Widgets? Hello, 2007. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. A a widget. widget is like super web 2.0. It was like no, 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 uh, no, no, no. It's pre web 2.0. No web, no widgets. Like a night, like a like an early 20th century term to describe just a thing that a company is selling that could be a good or service or anything. Okay, that theory about how Riley's actually been alive for <laughs> two thousand years yeah. is starting to become like fucking told really, you yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, <laughs> so you know how I got these scars? Pulling one of my child laborers out of the knitting machine. <laughs> yeah, I was really good. Victorian boss. No, but like they the, call the, the me thing, spinning Jenny. The thing you the thing you can't forget is that is that. All of this stuff is still being kind of put in the instrumental service of selling widgets. And no matter how much you may sort of, no matter how much the fiction feels fulfilling to share, no matter how much it might resonate, it is still kind of created with the purpose of like selling a super okay, drive. It is, but okay, okay. the interesting thing is that it is reproduced by just people, by us. Yeah. for other purposes. So then where do you say, like, and yeah, yet- the, the, the original point of this was that it was, you know, it was, it was a marketing ploy and it was to sell things. And then within these kind of self-reproducing structures that we have now, you know, I say, yeah, well, you know, I, I am making a copy of this with my imprint on it, but I'm doing it for different reasons. It feels so stifling to be stuck in almost like a moralistic position and say, well, it's, well, not, it's not a moral. If, no. if this was the origin, then that is like it's not. A, it's not that's, that's not how it that's works. The thing, it's not a moralistic position. This is this is if anything, this is this is regular listeners of the show. Well, no, this is essentially the point that we talked about in comic book club number one, psychopolitics, <laughs> which is that the you've entire been, you've been following the reading so far. The entire, the entire For everybody point. Everybody reading along at home. I mean, statistically, many of them will have. Uh, the entire point. Two or three. The entire point of of extremely contemporary capitalism is not to kind of trick you or make you against your will promote its interests. It's that you're it. You said you don't even realize you're promoting its interests. You want to promote its interests. Or that you are promoting its interests and fully aware of. The fact that you're promoting its interest and that, that and that's doesn't diminish fine. the value. It was also, yeah. What else are you going to do? Because it's like an all-consuming yeah. thing. It's like you know, it's 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 like yeah, excuse yourself from the divine right of kings. You know, it's yeah. And that, I mean, we're also to in a paraphrase situ- horribly from someone much smarter than me. We're also in a situation here where like there is no value to anything, and obviously everything is awful. But obviously, the very, the very small. <laughs> thank thank you, very, thank you for saying the obvious the small, without saying. But the very small amount of value that you can get is like connection with other people. So, for example, if exactly. you if you happen to see a thing that's produced by a brand that references an important thing that you haven't thought of in ten years, and it makes you think of a friend you haven't seen in ten years, and that is your impetus to get back in touch with that friend, that has value. Like, so the problem is that that's mediated not, by a brand. Right, but that's that is how I recently got back in touch with my old friend, Ronald McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> no, but this is why I think about pattern recognition a lot while I'm online. And like, please, William Gibson, at me. Um, but it's um, the, the 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 whole at me, like, daddy. the whole. 
Please, Riley, this is a family podcast. No, it's not. It's explicit, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's specifically not. Okay. The whole, uh, the whole like sci-fi like conceit of it is that the main character she's she's allergic to brands. Um, so she That's is great. she is hired by advertising companies to see whether something is an effective brand because then she will have an allergic reaction. But that's, oh, that's you know, so it's like good. fun, but it's like a sci-fi can so see to move in. But the, the, oh, the, I thought the, you said uh, she was allergic to bats. I can What a bizarre allergy that almost would never in, affect in books, you in your day-to-day um, life. Their, their whole thing is that they, are, they aren't just creating self-perpetuating marketing, they're creating brandless marketing and that's like the whole social chain thing, right? Is yeah. that social chain, obviously it's like a company and it has maybe a brand in like a B2B sense, but it has infinite imprints without like a recognizable mothership. Yeah. That's like the point, yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. yeah. So there is value there in a, a, a brandless public existence for that company. And you should be pointing out also, it's not, it's not the only one. But this is exactly what, um, like what Suze was talking about in, in terms of like the, f- like this becoming myth making because like it's it's impossible to write an imis- an original myth you rewrite a myth and yes. like you participate in the myth Absolutely. by that process of rewriting Absolutely. and it's by no coincidence yeah. that that like slow aggregate process of like becoming essentially public domain is part and parcel or like lo- goes alongside the fact that these things like rapidly lose value because they rapidly lose you know they, they like escape the control of the yeah. Original marketers, right? Can I say one great thing that I think, I think, I think that will be the final thing of this? <laughs> they are very, very good at myth making in the terms of like they have talked to a lot of people. They've explained how they're all dropouts. They've explained how they're young people, and that's all great. However, what they did about six months ago was released a series of YouTube videos because they're quite big on YouTube and like making sure that they are really feeding into like entrepreneur YouTube, entrepreneur Twitter, all that sort of stuff. One of the parts of this video was that they talked about their, their toughest moment and they went back to a couple of them and at the time there were only six or seven of them and they talked to all of them uh, and they explained that their toughest moment um, six or seven months in was that having like got the company off the ground, started the company, they were making money, they had money coming in the door, they, had, they were going to hire staff. They discovered that they had to pay tax, which they weren't aware of. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless. That's... Almost adorable. But better than that, they put that on YouTube as a promotional tool. That's not that's not like someone else making a documentary. They made a documentary about how when they started they didn't know they had to, how they had to pay tax. But that's every single tweet that's like, lol, just watching nine hours of Netflix and ordering a pizza at two PM, love my life as a marketing technique. Like yes. it's that it's that like it's 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 mess authenticity. Um, exactly. And and it's it's something no, but they that did sells. That, no, they did that as like a dark and they did like a everyone slowed down. There was sad music. It went not the screen the the kind of the filter went slightly grayer and they were just like, Yeah, to pay tax. So good. It's Hilarious. true. It's, 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 AF. It's, it's it's almost as though we live in a kind of society where lots of people have to do stuff together because the free market is terrible. And if only, if only there was some kind of agency that literally proved that by saying that actually most production just takes place and that we have to create the desire to consume it by saying, hey, if you buy this fucking, I don't know, dune buggy, then you're going to be a lot like Ja Rule. 
or whatever. I couldn't I think just of like to apologize like to regular a... listeners. Riley is just extremely mad all the time now. He's like <laughs> entered constantly... into unforeseen levels of being mad online. But if there's one thing people will always need, it's delicious nuggets made of 100% chicken breast. I tried really hard then to come across as someone who lives in 2018 and came up with Jar Rule and a dune buggy. Yeah, which is exactly <laughs> what somebody born in 1029 okay. would yeah. come here's up the, with. Okay. Here's, okay, here's the issue. Number one, yeah, an Elvis and a hovercraft. <laughs> before we transition, <laughs> before we transition to the next segment, yes, I have to admit the reason I came up with that is because I am, and I've been trying to hide this from online. I am increasingly obsessed with like early to mid two thousands trash culture. <gasps> um, razor flip flow, razor flip. Sorry, I just. Razor flip flop. Razor flip flop. I sometimes have a breakdown. The most uncomfortable beachwear of all time. (laughs) The the razor pink flip phone and Justin and Kelly just kind of merged in my head, and I had a small aneurysm, and that's what that was. (laughs) Just a wee little aneurysm. Um. No, it's the. Can, I have. I have spent. Can we talk about Britney Spears, please? No, I'm saying I've spent a Nylon while. Stitch. <laughs> I've spent like a fully a while, like watching like early two thousands jackass spinoffs. I was gonna. I was gonna unsober up before the serious segment, uh, but we're out of beer. We do that. Yeah, actually, I had I had one more thing Milo. to say about the social media marketing okay. thing, um, which is that this okay, is a thing that my... I want to talk about okay. genuinely because yeah, I don't understand it. Okay, um, I'm going to pause our recording. You Ooh, say, okay. wait, wait, you say the thing, say the thing, say the thing, say the thing. Okay, so recently I've been getting all these like video ads on Facebook. Well, like, bit stuff being shared into my timeline, but which is sort of marketing material for like products that are so dumb. They honestly can't think anyone would ever buy this. And it's almost as though this whole product has been is created from, is from just Wish? for the sake of the viral marketing campaign. Like, ad- like there was like a thing where like it's like a mask that you wear so you can sing at full volume and not annoy your housemate. There's another one that was like shoes, <laughs> shoes where there's like you buy the base of the shoe and then loads of tops that like zip on and off in different styles. And they're like, it's so convenient for the gym or for a business interview. And it's like, it's still fundamentally the same shoe. It just looks different, but it's not like more versatile it's still the same soul um and it obviously looks horrendous at all times and i'm like, like no one would ever buy this I, I like, like this is the just same breakdown sharing. about shoes that we just had about that concept of truth i swear wait, to god if you don't keep me that... farting into the podcast <laughs> i will kill Milo, you is that is, is that wish is that the advertiser this was, I think, the shoes were being advertised. Was like a, a thing by posted by Mashable. Like the right, video right. was like oh, Mashable okay. watermarked. I don't know right. who made the shoes because it's worth keeping an eye out for the retailer Wish because they inadvertently set their entire insane catalog up with like five hundred thousand items onto Facebook, uh, and then Facebook randomly advertised all of them to figure out which one do best. And it turns out the ones that do best are the ones that look completely insane. So Wish end up, ended up advertising like a load of things that were like, oh yeah, this is a, a squirt gun to shoot in your eye and like just insane shit um, because they were wow. the ones people clicked on because they were like, wait, 
That's absurd. Why does that exist rather than the ones that well, they so actually isn't, wanted? This isn't even Facebook ads. This is like literally stuff coming up on my timeline that's being shared by people or tagging oh, people. Oh, yeah, that'll like, be mashable. Oh, lol, we need this. That'll be, that'll be uh, mashable in Insider. Uh, so in the interest of just going to grab some more beer and going to our next segment, I'm going to quickly pause here, and then we're going to see all of you guys after this brief interlude of Ginseng's Here We Go, which is available on Spotify. Hi listeners, this is Nate, the producer of Trash Future. You may remember me from the episode where we talked about bad military technologies, and from hearing my name, which gets shouted and told to cut things on a regular basis. It's my sad note to report to you that Pucci died on the way back to his home planet. Similarly, we had some file delivery issues that prevented us from being able to complete the second half of the show, and as you can probably tell from the conversation, enough alcohol was consumed that it's going to take a long time to edit it. So, I appreciate your patience. You can follow the show on Twitter at TrashFuturePod. You can follow Riley at Rale, R-A-A-L-E-H, which embarrasses the hell out of him every time he has to say it, so it's probably good we make him say it more. You can follow Milo at Milo underscore Edwards. And for our lovely guests, you can follow Suze at Suze Marsupial, and you can follow Luke at I'm Bad at Life. You can also commodify your descent by purchasing a Trash Future shirt at littlecomrade.com. Make sure to pick the most arcane Twitter in-joke to place as your custom text. Thanks so much again for listening. Thank you for your support. See you next week.